0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's Word for you. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Glad to see you. Thanks for coming out today. Hey, what a great place to be on Sunday morning in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Awesome. So appreciate all the time, praise and worship. Hey, can I just tell you during praise and worship, it is not spectator time. Now that I know, I'm on the front row because so I don't know boys what anybody's doing behind me, but I just want to encourage you guys, come and just get plugged in. Just push in, press in. That's why you come to church, to connect with God. We, we're all, nobody needs another meeting, right? So we come to have an encounter with the only true and living God, so I want to encourage you guys in that. Uh, let me just give you a couple of announcements to remind you of a few. Uh, Twenty-one days, I just want to tell you that it's been amazing as a staff. We knew going in that this was a special one. Uh, we always look forward to 21 days of prayer. It is a stretch. It's a sacrifice. 6 a.m. prayer—that's pretty early. And uh, but I tell you that God meets you where you're at, and uh, you get to that place where that place of sacrifice, where you just you keep pushing, pushing. At some point in time, you just yield and let the Holy Spirit take over. Amen. So, if you haven't had a chance to jump on board with us yet, then please do. We got one more week. And as Pastor Cody said, finish strong. Amen. Uh, remember, prayer is not just a response to something that happened, which is typically how we see it. It is a preparation for something to come. And so, we're laying out the groundwork for our future as a church and for your families as we began this year 37 of life and ministry for Tree of Life. So, amen. Hey, a new year, a new beginning. Amen, a new beginning. And I just want you to tell I want to tell you we're off to a great start by the way. So last Sunday we saw 27 kids and families be dedicated. Amen. That's pretty awesome. And then Wednesday night, you've already heard a comment Pastor Dave said about baptism. We had 30 people water baptized Wednesday night. So what a powerful time that was. Great great start. Great start to the year. So we're going to keep going. Uh, looking forward to this uh, upcoming season. Hey, listen, also Friday night, Pastor Cody said, and I, I don't want to keep going over all the announcements, but <clears throat> first service, something just jumped in my heart because I know kids are going back to school. Some have already started. Some will be starting soon. I want to tell you, night of worship, we don't have child care for a reason because our kids need to learn how to worship. Amen. And you need to set the example for that. And we have a big enough sanctuary. That if you need to take your kids to the back and worship. I mean, however that works for y'all. But can I tell you that what rose up in my spirit man was, we're getting ready to go back to school. Maybe you've already started or getting ready to. And I think Friday night would be a great time of refreshing in the Holy Spirit for your students. And so I would bring your student and I'd be praying in my prayer time between now and Friday night, parents, be praying. I know you're praying for, your, for school, for your kids and all that, but I tell you what, I'd be praying specifically for God to touch their life on Friday night and get them here. I'd be praying for them to have visions and, and the Holy Spirit speak to them on Friday night, encourage them, build them up, get them ready for this upcoming year. So just, that's what rose up in my heart. Uh, during first service, during worship, so I just want to share that with you guys. So come on out Friday night. Looking forward to what God is doing and will do in all of us and then in our, in our kids. So great stuff. Amen. Okay, get your Bibles out. And get ready. Let's get ready for the Word. Uh, go ahead and turn to First Timothy for me. Part two of a series we called "I Love Tree." And so we just celebrated our. 36th anniversary. We started our 37th year. I felt led uh, long before we ever got to this point of the Holy Spirit during this time to really cast vision for the church and really make sure that we're pulling together. Make sure that we're on the same page, if you will. Not that we all agree with everything, but if this is home for you, then we need to be pulling together and believing God. So sharing some vision, talking about why we do what we do. So it might be new to some of you, especially if you're visiting, then by all means, please come this month and you'll get to hear our heart and what we're all about. Um, Maybe a reminder, to some of us, maybe even answering some questions that maybe we've had on why. I don't want to re- take a lot of time in review, but I think there's something important for me to review from last week, which was week one in our series um, why we do what we do. I-, I believe Jesus is the head of the church. He simply put me over to steward this at this time for Him. Um, so I want to follow His instruction. And so last week we talked about some of the things why we do what we do. We grow. A tree, we grow. We grow the kingdom of God through soul winning. Amen? And so, we grow uh, disciples, we grow ourselves in each other through discipleship, and then we do it in the person and power of the Holy Spirit. And so, we talked about those things. I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that, but real quick, I just want to remind you, I had a lot of questions, I want to make it clear that there's three directives I believe Jesus, the commander, gives the church, and the first one is that we are to be a soul-winning church. And so, we see when Jesus came back to the earth, he resurrected. That night, resurrection night, he met with his disciples, or his followers, and the first things out of his mouth to them was, go into all the world and preach the gospel. First things he said to his followers followers from the resurrection night. So 40 days later, the Bible says he ascended into heaven, or he went into heaven. But before he did that, Mark—the uh, writer—Luke, uh, rather, Luke, the writer, is also the book of Luke. He writes a book of Luke, but he writes Acts, or at least part of Acts. And so, what he says in Acts, the instruction from Jesus was, Go into Jerusalem and wait, Acts one eight says, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Verse nine says, and then he, Jesus, was taken up into heaven, where they could no longer see him because of a cloud. And so, the last words out of Jesus' mouth into his followers was, wait for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So we have the first words, go and preach the gospel. The last words were, make sure you depend on the power of the Holy Spirit or rely on it. And then in between, he gives the instructions, go make disciples. So we have directive one, directive two, make disciples, directive three. I just wanted to clear that up, there was some question on that. Our job is not only to follow the directives of our Commander Jesus, but to keep them in the order that he set them in and he established them in. And so, I just wanted to clear that up. I've had some questions I felt that would be appropriate then to go back and revisit that, but you can go listen to the whole message. Today we're talking about a tree we give. And and before anybody shuts me off, because here's another message on giving. You cannot talk about a core belief without talking about giving, because that's who we are as people of God. That's who God is, but, that, but you need to hear this at Tree. But let me just help you for a moment before, you complete, before some of you may just like tune out. We're not talking about tithing today, although we believe in tithing here at Tree of Life Church. That's another message. You can find some online uh, from Tree of Life. And we're not talking about some of the obligations or things. Not, not that at all. I want to talk about the why, because we need to know why we do what we do. I mean, just so many things in life, we need to know the why to that. And, and so, we want to talk about the why. Why do we give here at Tree? And that is a part of who we are. So, First Timothy 6. Timothy is—actually, um, uh, the apostle Paul has written a letter. He writes several to churches—Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians. He writes them to Timothy. And so, Timothy's a pastor. He's a young man, uh, very young, and he pastors a very large church. And so, here's some of Paul's instruction to Pastor Timothy. It says, command those who, Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth. And to which a lot of us will say, oh, that, okay, good, that's not me, I'm not rich. And can I tell you that that word rich, define it, you define that word rich, it means having more than what you need, not having more than what you want. And not having monies in comparison to the people around about you or the world, and in fact, rather the world, it is true that when you go back and it says, those who are rich in this present world—understand, when we look at the the Scripture, the context is the whole world. You may not think you have a whole lot in comparison to the good old U.S. of A, but the poorest of the poor here in America are some of the wealthiest of the world. Understand that. So, he's speaking to everybody here, and so again, rich is having more than What you need, not more than what you want. And so, he's speaking to all of us. Don't be arrogant. Don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Put your hope in God. He's reminding people that you need to have the proper thinking. I need to make sure you're on track with what the thinking is, because when we tend to get more resources, perhaps our thinking gets a little off. That's what he's saying here. We need to be reminded That it all really is to put our hope in God, not in wealth. Remind those that have things, which would be all of us, to put your hope in God. Make sure we're thinking right. Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now I love that. He provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Some people think God just gives us stuff just to give away, and and we're blessed to be a blessing. But can I tell you, God wants you to enjoy stuff also? I mean, He's not wanting you just to live in a cardboard box and give everything you can to the poor and all that. I mean, he, he loves that you give that. He wants you to enjoy things as well. And I think people have this—there's a teaching out there that I'm, oh, I'm just suffering for Jesus and giving everything I have to the poor, and I think you need to be reminded God also wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to have stuff to enjoy. He just doesn't want stuff to have you. And so, understand that. It goes on to say, command them to do good, be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Say willing. Willing to share. That's the word I want to lock in today. Why do we do what we do? What's the heart behind it all? Can I tell you, this tells me that God is more concerned about your heart than the act of the amount. He wants your heart. He wants us all to be willing. And willing simply means, I don't have to do it, I want to do it. I get to do it. Willing to share. Really, that's the heart of the Bible. And You shouldn't do these things because you have to do it. You should do them because you want to do it, and we'll talk about that in the message. It's Live with this attitude. It's a privilege to serve God. I don't have to serve God, I want to serve God. It's a privilege to give. I don't have to give. I want to give. I don't have to pray, I want to pray. I don't have to read my Bible, I want to read my Bible. I don't have to help people, I want to help people. I want to be a part of changing lives. I want to be a part of touching people. I don't have to do that, I want to do that. I am willing, and God is looking at our hearts. Looking at our hearts. That's the way we need to see it as believers and as the church. Philippians 2.13 says this, God is working in you to make you—what's that word? To make you willing and to be able to obey Him. God is so good, I believe He's giving us the desire to do these things. We just suppress it. Or where thinking's not right, going back to 1 Timothy 6, we need to think right. God's Spirit in us is a generous, willing Spirit. And so, He's going to give us, through His Spirit, the willingness to do it and the ability to obey Him. He's got it all covered. I love that. And another translation said, God works in you both to do the the will and the do, so for the will and the do. God doesn't want to just say do it, He wants to give you the willingness and the ability or the how now today? I don't want to appeal to need. I don't want to appeal to obligation. I want to appeal to the why. Why do we give? I, I want to stir up the desire. I want us to have the, that kind of heart, and I want us to see this incredible privilege to be involved in touching lives through giving. Um, so let's look. Maybe a funny place to start, but bear me out in this one. Let's look in the Bible at the place where the largest recorded offering in history, biblical history ever, is here in the scripture. In fact, many historians will tell you it's the largest offering ever in the history of mankind, not just biblical history, but the history of mankind. And so, in this particular offering, it's uh, King David has been instructed by the Lord to build the temple. They've been meeting in the tabernacle. It traveled with them around the wilderness, and now they're established as a nation. So, God wants a temple or a church built. And so, David is impressed on David's heart. God gives him instruction to build, uh, to get ready to give towards this temple, and Solomon actually does build it. But uh, David is going to go before the people, and he is going to um, do something very amazing. He's going to demonstrate the heart that God's looking for, what we're talking about. So, God put it in David's heart to build an actual church building. And so, let's take a look at 1 uh, Chronicles 29.3. Here's what it says. Moreover—here's David—moreover, because and listen to this—because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God. Or in other words, if you could go back, I have set my affection on God's church, on my church. A- if David was alive today, he would say this this way, hashtag I love my church. I mean, that's just—that's how you would say it. This is what David's basically saying here, I, I my affection's for the house of God. I, I, I want to give to the house of my God. Now, again, what is he expressing? He's expressing his heart. He's expressing an attitude. It goes on to say this. Over and above, so he says, my heart is for the house of God over and above. I'm not just going to give what I feel like I'm supposed to give or obligated to give. I want to give above that. I don't want to just do what's expected. I want to go beyond that. So over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my church, my own special treasure of gold and of silver. Now jump down to verse 5, this last half of verse 5. You can read through verse 4, and it'll give you all the things that David gave. Now the end of verse 5, who then, talking to the people, who then is what? Willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord. David says, my heart is such for the church. I want to be a blessing. Here's what I want to do and I'm going to do. And then he looks and he says, is anybody else willing to do that? You don't have to. No one's saying you need to, but who else is willing to do this? And so, I want to look at the response then in in verse 6. So here's his response. All these things, in verse 6, then the, leaders of, <laughs> then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave what? Gave willingly. The people rejoiced at the what? willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced." Can you see the heart of the people here? God wants your heart. God's looking at your heart. And so, why do we give? We want to. We give willingly. They gave willingly, a willing response. Uh, freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. It was in their hearts. It was in their hearts. I want to freely give. I want to touch lives. I want to change lives. I want to provide opportunity for the kingdom to be built. I want to touch and change lives. I want to make a difference. Now jump down to verse 17, the last part of verse 17. All these things, and it lists all the things that the people gave. And then it comes to this. All these things I have given what? And with honest intent, and now I have seen with joy how what? Your people who are here have given to you. What a powerful passage, and it focused on the, not the amount or the gifts themselves, it focused on the heart. The biggest offering in the history of mankind, and I, I, I did a little research on it and got kind of jumbled up in all the numbers of hundreds of tons of gold, hundreds of tons of silver, hundreds of tons of brass and iron and jewels, and it amounted to this insane—some historians would say, 21, and today's value, today's value, $21 billion is what would be equated in today's value. And you can list—you can read through all the lists of the amount and the weights and talents and all that kind of stuff, but listen, the bigger issue is how many people were willing to do it? It was a willing heart. They weren't obligated to do it. They did it willingly. I love that. That's the spirit I believe that we have here at this church. Why? Because we want to touch lives. We want to touch lives. I can't believe I get to do this. We want to appeal to that. I can't believe we get to do this kind of heart. It should be one of our greatest joys that we get to do this. Let's take a look in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 8, 12, first part, 12 says this, for if the what? Willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. Interesting. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. That means to me, in, in, in some ways, God's not watching what you give, but He's watching the heart behind giving. Come on, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. So God's more interested in your heart. He wants your heart, and when you give with your heart, according to this scripture, He's more interested in that, then that's acceptable, pleasing to Him. So this week, this service today, is not so much about what we do, but why we do it. Now, we need to stay in touch with the why. Don't you think? We need to stay in touch with the why. We need to be reminded from time to time of the why, because here's the truth about the why. When people lose their why, they lose their way. When people lose their why, they lose their way. We see it all the time. We see it in relationships. We forget why we married that person in the fir- first place. We're asking God, why? God, why? No, I'm not just kidding. It's not that. We forget why we married that person in the first place, and then when we forget, we lose our way. Then we start thinking of other things, and the enemy comes in, and all that kind of stuff. We about our job? Why we took this job? Or about what God's called us to, in fact. and can, I, I just want to tell you, when we started these 21 days of prayer. I met with the, 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 the staff, and I, I, I passionately told them that what I felt rising up in my spirit that was to mark this time of prayer for the staff was just to be put back in remembrance of why we said yes to Jesus, why we said yes to the call. Why did I get into ministry? I didn't get into ministry to be a pastor one day. I didn't see that. It's a good thing God didn't show me at that time. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But it's like, it's like I just, why did I say yes whatever, Jesus, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do? The why keeps me back on track with my heart. I want to help bring us back to the why. It's so important. Let me give you some reasons why I believe, why my family believes, why this church believes that we give. And you may have some of the same. You you may see it the same. You may have some different ones. I can't determine all the whys for you. Let me just show you a few that I believe in. I believe these to be true for me, for my family, the church. And I want you to get in touch with your why. Number one, give me give you this one: obedience. Now it sounds funny to say obedience because it's like you don't do it just to do it. But can I tell you? Let me explain this one. I don't feel obligated to to obey God. I really love obeying God. I love obeying God, and 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 I love reading the Word. I love doing those things. I'm not any better than anybody else. Don't hear me in this, but I really think the reason, part of the reason why I love obeying God is because I had such a great example, my dad. I mean, I saw that in my dad. He loved God, and he loved to obey God. He loved to read the Word. I saw my dad always reading the Word, and not just to prepare a sermon. I saw and heard, because my room was right in high school. My room was right next to his prayer room, which he decided he had to pray every morning at 5 a.m. But my dad went in there to pray because he loved to pray. He, he, he loved people. He, he stayed busy and doing things because he loved people. He, he gave. He tithed. I learned tithe. From as a kid, I learned how to tithe. I've never questioned tithing. I learned how to tithe because I saw my dad. My dad loved to give. My dad loved to tithe. My dad loved to be in the church every time the door was open. Not that it was an obligation, but he loved to, He loved it. I, I love to obey God. I want my kids to love to obey God. I want my kids to love to obey me. <laughs> I don't want them to obey me because they have to obey me. I want them to obey me because they love and respect me. Come on. I don't just want modified behavior in my house. I want their heart. I want their heart. God's not, God's not looking for modified behavior. He's looking for your heart. Because then when my kids are out of the house, I want them to do the right thing. Not, oh, I'm out of here, finally. I can do whatever I want. So, listen, I, I, I obey God, that, uh, my motivation for being a giver, why do I give out of obedience? Because I love to obey God. You know, I'm one of those guys, honestly, I believe this, and I don't always do it, but I believe I'm one of those guys that if God's word says it, that's good enough for me. That's good—I mean, I, sometimes people are, are getting so deep and complicated and trying to find reasons why not to do that, why i am just like, is it, if, is it in the Bible right there? Okay, I'm good. And if you come and ask me questions, first thing I'm ask you is, well— what does the Bible say? So like, I love to obey God. And I, and I think that's a motivator for me. I, I, I want us to uh, understand that. Listen, the one who gave, let me say it this way if the one who gave his life for me is asking something of me, absolutely. If the one I've surrendered my life to tells me to do something, then I want to do it. And we shouldn't try and change it. Let me say it this way we shouldn't try and change it. I'm going to do it, but on my terms. I'm going to do it based on either my interpretation, or popular culture interpretation, or my generation's interpretation. No, because what he tells you to do is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The truth behind it, there's different ways to do it. Out of obedience. Number two, uh, joy. It's fun to give. Can I tell you, it's fun to give. It really is fun to give. There's something God created in each and every one of us that when we give, it just makes us happy. Can I tell you, He created—studies will show, you read all the studies—that something's released chemically in you when you give, and you, you know God set it up that way. Because He wants givers. Generous people, why? Because He was a giver? For God so loved the world, He gave. We're made in His image, we're, we're, we're made that way. So when we give, it's a joy. It just feels good. Can I tell you, I like the way I feel when I give. And if you're not feeling joy, you're not feeling happy, give your way out of it. That's the truth. Find somebody to help. Give your way out of it. It really is more blessed to give than to receive. I want you to find the joy in what we do together. What we do together. Can I tell you, your giving creates opportunities for 27 kids to be dedicated unto the Lord? Can I tell you, you shouldn't sit there when kids and families are dedicating themselves and just be like, oh, man, more kids and stuff. It's like, man, we helped that family come to the Lord, and now they're dedicating to walk with Him and serve Him, and they're lifting their kid up to Him. Can I tell you, 30 people getting water baptized, an outward expression of that inward salvation, and not everybody—let me, me say it this way. There's people that came that night, got saved, got water baptized at the same time that night in their clothes they came to church in. I love that. We see all those people, man, that's good. We were a part of that. And there's many other things that we could share on that, but it's fun to give. Um, Let me give you another one, covenant. Why do I give? Covenant. I give because I'm in a covenant with God. I I exchange everything. I'm in a covenant with Him. And can I tell you, I'm in a covenant with you. I don't know if you think of it that way. My wife and I, we're in a covenant with each other. We're in a covenant with God, and we're in covenant with all of you. And that means, covenant means that you don't think of yourself when you make a decision. Simply, that you think of the other person. So, I'm going to covenant with God. I don't think of myself. I, th- I think of God. What would you have us do? I'm in a covenant with my wife. I, I don't want to think about what I want to do. I need to think about what she wants to do, and I'm going to covenant with all of you. I don't want to lead this church in the way I want to lead this church. I want to lead it in the way God wants to bless all of you, wants all of us to operate, wants all of us. I'm in a covenant that I want to think of you. What, what, God, what can I do for them? I give because I'm committed to that covenant of doing things with all of you. That's part of why we give. Jessamy and I are completely devoted to this church and to this church family and doing life and ministry together. We're in covenant with God and with you. And so, we're going to do our part, and we're going to give. Covenant simply means I make decisions that are good for us, not good for me. Another one, vision. I want to give. Why do I give? I give because of the vision of this place. I give because my giving is really doing something. My giving's working. You know, my giving's working. My giving is touching lives. My giving's making a, a difference. Just, I can go back to just this past week with childhood occasions and water baptism. We can go back to all kinds of things. We had a food distribution here on Thursday. Our food pantry gets depleted every time it comes in. We, we give it out as soon as it comes in. We can go back to all the things that are happening uh, around the area and the ministries that we partner with. And we can go back to all the things like uh, the Family Life Center. Family Life Center, we partner with them. They touch lives all over this community. Every day they're making a difference with people's rent, and light bills, and food, and helping them find jobs. Every day. I love that I'm a part of it. That's the vision of this church. I, I love that the vision of this church is—and we have a sister church in Mexico. I love it. And I love that in two weeks it's going to go to two services, because it's filled up every week, 450, 500 people every weekend. They're going to two services. I love that. I have a part of that. I love the vision of that, is to see the outreaches they do. They support orphanages. That means you do. And they, they, they reach people all the time. I love they have a Bible school there, and training up pastors. And I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to step out and then repent later. But, my, but down the road, but the Rama Bible School in uh, Audible de Vida, and the people they're raising up down the road, there's, they're starting a strategic plan to plant an Audible de Vida or Tree of Life in Guadalajara, Mexico, another Tree of Life church. I love that! the vision. It's bigger than ourselves. I love that. I love that on Tuesday over 1,000 employees of New Braunfels Independent School District will be in this building for their convocation before they go back to school. I love that. I love it. I love, I love that at the end of the school year, 33 special needs kids from the school came and to our fishing ponds with a group, and they fished. And I love that all 33 of them caught fish. That's a miracle, can I tell you? I love that we have fish that bought into the vision of giving. <laughs> love it. I know it's a little corny but anyway, so I, I love it. I love that we have a bicycle club that meets here. I love that we have the sheriff's department out here doing things, practicing things. Fire department. I love that in September we're going to host a cross country meet out here on our campus. I love all that. I love so that people are going to find help. I love that people are going to find community. I love that People are getting saved. I love I love the vision of our church. Why do I give? Because I love the vision here. That's why I give. Blessing. Why do I give blessing? This is an interesting one. We don't give to get, but understand, God's word says in Malachi 3, when I'm faithful to give my tithe to the house of God or the place that I worship, that he'll rebuke the devourer for my sake, and he'll open the window of heaven and pour out a blessing that I can't contain it. God's word's clear. Every time I give, I position myself for blessing and protection. I don't give to get, but I love that when I give, there's blessing and protection come my way. And you can say, no, I'm good, God, I'm good, God, and God's going to be insistent, and He's going to bless you and protect you. I love that there's a blessing attached with that. This isn't my motivation to give, but His Word says this is what He'll give. Deuteronomy fifteen ten says this, give generously to them, and do so without a grudging heart. Then, because of this... The Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There's a blessing. I I, I want to give—why do I give to be an example? I want to be an example. I want to be an example to you, and my wife and I are as generous as we possibly can be. My dad was an example in generosity for me, and it impacted my life. I want to be an example to my kids. I want to be known for generosity. It's amazing to me, and not to uplift, but just to help prove the point. When I went just a few weeks ago, I went and took my oldest daughter, Callie, to Rama Bible College, where I graduated from. There was a camp meeting. And uh, I run into people every time I go there. My parents went there. They graduated and moved here in 81. So I'm always around people that are saying, Man, I knew your dad. And this is 20 years later. I knew your dad. I knew your dad. And this and that. And I say, I want people to remember me 20 years after I'm gone. But what, what, what do I want to be remembered by? That mean guy over there, whatever? Nobody liked him. And I don't know why he's even pastor over there. But we go for the worship. <laughs> but uh, thank you for not laughing at that. I thought you would all cheer the worship. The worship! But, but I want to be that guy. People remember that I poured my heart, my life out. 20 years later, or whatever that is. I want my kids to be blessed because of how the example I live my life. I want this church to be an example of generosity. I want this church to be a light in our community and the surrounding area. We're not any better, any any worse, comparing to anybody else. But I want this community to say, you know what, we're blessed to have Tree of Life here. The neighboring community, you know, we're blessed to have Tree of Life around here. That's that's. We want to be an example of that. Why we give to be an example. Devotion, this is my last one to move on, devotion. And this is an interesting one as well, but I want to I share this with you. I don't, I don't know how to express it completely, but maybe you'll know or understand. I want to give out of a personal devotion to Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm thankful for what Jesus—where where would we be without Jesus and what He did for us? Right. Who would we be today without Him? Out of devotion to Jesus, I love Jesus, I want to please him, I want him to be proud of me. It's like, it's like the dad saying, I'm proud of you, son. I, I want to, I, that my devotion to Jesus, because one day I'll know—understand this, everyone who knows Jesus as Lord and Savior—one day you'll stand before him face-to-face. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but you'll stand before him face-to-face. And you know what? I want him to say, you know what, Don? You did a good job. There's nobody perfect. Don't worry about that. But you did a good job. You did a good job with what I gave you. The gifts and abilities I gave you, you stewarded them well. I want them to say, you know, I gave you a great church, and you didn't waste the opportunity. You did the best of your, best of your ability to lead that church in line with my want and my will. I, I want them to know that, you know, my, my words and my gifts, my talents, my resources. I want them to say, good job, Don. I mean, You did good. You used your influence good. You did something with it. You did something with what I gave you. One day I want to hear, well done. Well done. I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I don't want to have squandered my life, wasted my life, or the amazing things or opportunities God's given me. I mean, I think about it all the time. I mean, look at this, all of you. I mean, I'm humbled that you guys even came back. I'm amazed that God put this church right here on the busiest stretch of highway in the state of Texas for a reason. I don't want to squander that opportunity. I don't want to squander 54 acres for the kingdom of God. I, I, don't, I don't want to waste any of that. But, but more, all of us, our hearts should be one day before we stand before our Savior and Lord, that's to be able to stand before him. And we didn't do everything perfect, we didn't always get it right, but our heart was willing. Our heart was willing out of devotion for him. We need to be willing and able. We need to remind ourselves of the why we gave, why we give. I want to stir up the willingness within you today. I want to look at the able part, willing and able. Give me a few minutes to look at the able part here, the other half of that. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7, verse 11, 6-7 through 7 says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly—talks about being able. You're able to do Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have—what's that word? Decided. Hold on to that word. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly like a Scrooge or under compulsion because you were moved to emotion. For God loves a cheerful giver, a willingness that speaks to our heart. Understand where it says decided. Basically what he's saying is you're able to have a giving plan you're able to have everyone should already decide your giving plan you need to work on a giving plan predecide what you're going to do not reluctantly already decide already have decided, so you don't have to battle with reluctance, or I don't really want—you've already made up your mind you're going to do, and already decide, so you don't make some emotional decision. Now, I think—listen, I I think there's times that people just wait to be moved by emotion. I think there's times that God will prompt our heart to do something and respond, but I, I want you to know that we don't create videos and stuff on Mission Sunday or whatever to try and get you to give. We want to see what your giving has done. And so, I think sometimes people are just like, like, I don't want to give to Mission Sunday today. keep talking about Mission Sunday. They better have a good video that moves me, because right now I ain't about to give, <laughs> right? That's not—we got a good team, and we can certainly do that, but that's not what the Bible says. You need to pre-decide. Have a giving plan already. And I think it's such a big deal to God that I, we look at His response in verse 11. Let's look at His response in verse 11 to those who have decided. You will be enriched in every way. Now listen, go back to verse six and seven. This is for predeciders. Go back and study it. We love this. And we put this on the refrigerator, we quote it all that. But understand the context. It's for predeciders. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Because God knows if you've already predecided to give, He can give you stuff to give. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God, or more people will come to Jesus. God really blesses the predeciders. He gives more to those who already know what they're gonna do, give. He gives more to those who already know what they're gonna do with it. And that just makes sense. And so I think number one, we ought to be intentional givers. We ought to follow intentional giving. We're able to do that. Intentional giving. All right, the next one, Mark 12, 41 through 44. Here's what it says. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two of, of very small copper coins worth only a few cents. It was actually like one-sixteenth of a day's wage. Calling his disciples together to him, he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put everyth- in everything all she had to live on. Now listen, understand this: she didn't give more than everybody else, come on. But when you understand what God truly looks at, she did. Because what is God more interested in? He's more interested in your heart. Now understand that Jesus was looking at the amount she put in in relation to her income in relation to her income, she put in more than anybody else. And then wouldn't it be very intimidating for all of a sudden Jesus to pull up a chair next to the offering bucket? All right, time to take up the offering. Come on, that'd be the biggest offering in the history of any church, right? And you can imagine Jesus sitting there, and someone walking by, hmm, hmm, what, what do you mean? It just would be—but listen, to this lady's heart was such that she gave in relation to what she had or what she didn't have, however you want to say that. And what does that tell me? That he's interested in percentage giving. It's not the amount, it's the amount in relation to what you have. And that's why I love why the tithe is so brilliant, because the tithe is equality for everyone. Well, I would tithe if I had as much as that guy. Oh, no, 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 it's not about that guy. It's about in relation to what you have, and in God's eyes— It's all equal. He looks at the heart. He's into percentage giving. I I just think we need to understand that better than we do. It's not some man-made thing or some church thing. You can follow it even just in this passage of Scripture. It was in relation to what she had, not what she didn't have or what everybody else has. and He wasn't giving honor to people who gave large amounts. He was giving honor to those who gave out of their heart in relation to what they had in relation to their income. Percentage giving matters to God. You need to give not what others give, but give in relation to your Living studies show, sadly, studies show in America. Studies show as people's wealth increase, their percentage decreases. Isn't that interesting? In America, as people's wealth increase, their percentage giving decreases. Statistically, the best givers in America are those with smaller incomes. And if you have more, you don't do less; you do more. Why? Because God's looking at the heart in relation to your income. Jesus isn't looking at the amount. He's looking at the amount in relation to what you have. All right, let's move on. First Corinthians 3, 12-15, last one. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because of the day, or the day will bring it to light. The day, capital D, the day that Jesus comes back, the day we're standing before him. The day we're standing before him, all our stuff will be piled up. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work, everything you did. If what he has built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet he'll be saved. You'll still be in heaven, but you won't get the reward you could have gotten, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Can I tell you, some people mistakenly just want to get to—I just get to heaven, that's my reward. But can I tell you, if Jesus has given out rewards for eternity, can I have some of that, please? I mean, because eternity is a whole lot longer than our temporary time here on the planet. So, there must be a reason for rewards in heaven, and if Jesus is going to reward us for that, He's going to pile everything we did up on a pile, and He's going to put the fire to it, and the only thing that's going to remain are things that are done, I believe, with the heart. Because we do a lot of things we really don't have a heart to do, and we do a lot of things that really don't matter for eternity. Because I believe what, this scripture, what these Scriptures talk to us about is not—we know from the Scripture itself not everything is going to last. This tells me all giving is not the same. Come on. All giving is not the same. Why? It's all going to be piled up and burn up. Some, well, some of it's going to burn up, some of it's going to last, so it's not all the same. We need to be as intentional as we can in not only helping people, but sharing Jesus with people or attaching eternity to everything we do. Because the things that remain will be the things that have eternity attached to it. I mean, we do a lot of things, good things, where we could just redirect maybe some of that stuff and do good things and still represent Jesus and represent the need for a savior. And so we've changed some things even around here a little bit. What we're doing to make sure that we're attaching eternity to it. Now I know this is sometimes you help somebody in need. Don't get me wrong, but as our plan and giving of things that we do, we're looking at ways to attach eternity to everything we do because we know. Eternity matters and Jesus matters, amen? So it's good to do things for people, but we need to look at ways that we can point people to Jesus and the love of Jesus. We need to be aware of things that we do, sometimes they don't have Jesus attached to it perhaps. Now, we want our giving really to be eternal, or to make a difference in eternity. So the last one, eternal giving. That's why, in my opinion, the best place you can invest is in a place making a difference in people's lives for eternity, and there's a lot of great places to do that. Don't hear me wrong in that. But I think it's important for us that we're able to be intentional with our giving, to be percentage givers, and to be eternal giving, or eternal in our giving. I think those are things that we need to be aware of. That's the why. That's part of the why. Why do we give here? Sure, I'd love to give a message on the tithe, that's for another time. Sure, I'd like to talk about the needs around here or things that we want to do, but really I think the most important thing is just to make sure that we get our heart engaged. We want to stir up the willingness. The willingness. I am going to close with this. God has blessed me with more than I need so I can make an eternal difference in the lives of other people. We're here for a purpose. We're here for a reason. Tree of life to a lost and hurting world. Why? Why do we give a tree? Because we just want to be pleasing to God. We want Him to see our heart. We're grateful for all He's done for us, and we want to be a blessing to Him and to people around about us. My hope is, my prayer is that that's the motivation you walk away with today. Why do we do what we do? Because we have willing hearts. Every head bowed, every eye closed. My heart, my hope in today's message, and for this series, is again to just give you a picture of who we are. So, you could join with us and grab a hold of the vision, and we can run with the vision, as God says, and do all He's called us to do. My hope, my heart today was to see, uh, help you see and stir up, put the, rem- put, put the reminder of why. Why do we give? Not, not the amount or not the how per se, but, but why do we give? To put us back in that place of willingness and not get caught up on the other things, but just to start with our heart.